Salvete discipuli, discipulaeque, linguae latinae. Mihi valde placet vos iterum videre, et vos pulcram linguam aeternam docere. In the last lesson, we began our entry into an even more perfect world. We studied the perfect, pluperfect, and future perfect tenses in the active voice, some 30 forms. I've got good news. In this lesson, we will learn to form four adjectives, and you already know how to decline them. These adjectives are special, as they derive from verbs, and thus retain some, although not all, their qualities as verbs. We call them participles. Participles retain tense, but not absolutely, instead only in relation to the main verb. Like verbs, they can govern cases. They have voice and can thus be active or passive. But despite these verbal qualities, participles are also adjectives and can thus modify nouns. And because they modify, they will agree with the nouns they modify in case, number, and gender. And, like other adjectives in Latin, participles can be used substantively and thus as stand-ins for nouns. At all events, because they are both adjectives and verbs, you may think of participles as participating in not just one, but two, two parts of speech, hence their name. What Latin participles are on offer? I offer you first a generic representation in English. This is, by the way, not an exhaustive list of participles in English. In English, we have a present active participle that ends in ing, verbing, if you will. Let's look at an example in English. Chanting endings till sunrise, the students burned with love of Latin. The adjective chanting modifies the students, but because chanting derives from the verb chant, chanting can take a direct object, in this case, the endings. Chanting thus participates in both parts of speech. Latin has an equivalent to our present active participle. In English, however, we can also make the present participle passive. Alas, Latin has no present passive equivalent. Latin does have a perfect passive participle, however, which in English we would render as having been chanted. On the other hand, Latin has no perfect active participle. The future tense in Latin, on the other hand, offers both active and passive participles. Active, going to chant, or about to chant. And please note that this second alternative, about to chant, is, despite the two, not an infinitive. First of all, the phrase begins with about. And secondly, it can be used as an adjective, as in, the students about to chant for the third night in a row, clutched their Latin books. The future passive participle in Latin, however, would be more than just going to be chanted. It's stronger than that. The future passive participle carries with it in Latin the additional idea of obligation or necessity, which we may try to capture by saying necessary to be chanted or must be chanted. Let's look at the general rules for forming participles in Latin. 
Did you bring along your principal parts? We need the first and second principal parts for conjugation identification and for the formation of the present active and future passive participles. We will use the fourth principal part to form the perfect passive participle and the future active participle. Let us begin with the present active participle. The basic rule is that we put either an ANS or an ENS on the present tense base. And if there's an I before the O in the first principal part, we'll keep that I as well. Let's form the present active participles for our five model verbs. We begin with our first love, amo amare, amawi amatum. Conjugation identification, O followed by long A-R-E. First, what is our theme vowel? Long A. Keeping this long A in mind, we take the first principal part, amo, amo we remove the O and add A-N-S, giving us amans, the nominative singular, which means loving. The genitive of amans is amantis. So what is the declension? Yes, third. All the other conjugations, it est, the second, the third, the son of a third, that's the third I-O, and the fourth, they all add ENS to form the present active participle. Let's do it. Let's make present active participles. Second conjugation. Widio, widere, widi, wisum. We take the first principal part and remove the O. And because we do not want two E's in a row, we remove that extra E. And then we add ENS. What is the participle? Weedens. How would we translate weedens? Seeing. Can you guess the genitive? Weedentis. Third conjugation. Pono, ponera, possui, positum. We take the first principal part, pono, remove the O, add ENS. How do we say placing? Ponens. And what's the genitive? Ponentis. Third I-O. Copio, copera, capi, coptum. I-O followed by E-R-E. That's the son of a third. We remove the O from the first principal part and add E-N-S. How do we say taking? Copians. Did you keep the I? That's the trick. If there's an I before the O, there will be an I before the E-N-S. Copians, taking. And what's the genitive? Copientis. Fourth conjugation. Sentio, sentire, sensi, sensum. We remove the O from the first principal part and add ENS. How do we say feeling? Sentiens. With an I before the ENS. Hence, by way of English, the word sentient. A sentient creature is a feeling creature. And where did that T come from in sentient, you may ask? Well, may I ask you, what's the genitive of sentience? Yes, sentientis. The base ends in NT. But before we get carried away with declining participles, let's form the future passive participles, as the principles are the same as they were for the present active participle. Except that, rather than add ANS or ENS, we will add ANDUS AUM or ENDUS AUM. 
This participle belongs to the first and second declensions, hence the us-a-um endings for the nominative. Amo amare is first conjugation. So we remove the o from amo and add andus a um. Amandus is the masculine one necessary to be loved. Amanda is the feminine one who must be loved. And amandum, neutered, but still necessary to be loved. What will we add to all the other conjugations? Endus a um. Vidia videre is second conjugation. But because we don't want two E's in a row, we remove the EO from video and then add und endus a um. Yielding, widendus a um. What does widendus mean? Necessary to be seen. Ponoponera, third conjugation. How do we say necessary to be placed? Ponendus a um. Copio copra is third I.O. How do we say necessary to be taken? Capiendus a um. Did you notice the I before the E? That's because copio is third I.O. And finally, sentio sentire, our fourth conjugation verb. How do we say necessary to be felt? Sentiendus a um. Again, we keep that I that was before the O of sentio when we add endus a um. It is worth pausing here to note that a fair number of Latin future passive participles have entered English in their fully Latin form. A memorandum is a neuter singular thing necessary to be remembered. Agenda refer to the neuter plural things necessary to be done during a meeting. Corrigenda, in the back of a book, are neuter plural things necessary to be corrected. And Amanda, well, she's a feminine singular, necessary to be loved. You have no choice, because the future passive participle carries with it the idea of obligation or necessity. Amanda must be loved. Perfect passive and future active participles are even more straightforward because they are based on the fourth principal part. When the perfect passive participle exists, it can be formed from the fourth principal part. We change the ending um to usa um and we're good to go. What is the perfect passive participle of amo amare amawi amatum? Answer? Amatus a um, having been loved. What is the perfect passive participle of widia videre, widi visum? Answer, visus a um. Translation, having been seen. What is the perfect passive participle of pono ponera, possui positum? Positus a um. Translation, having been placed. What is the perfect passive participle of copio copra capi coptum? Coptus a um. Translation, having been taken. And finally, 
What is the perfect passive participle of sentio, sentire, sensi, sensum? Sensus aum. Translation? Having been felt. The future active participle is going to be simple. Take the fourth principal part, remove the um, and add urus a um. Fun fact. The ur in our word future derives from this very ending, and futurus a um is, as you may recall, the future active participle of sum. Futurus a um means going to be. Let's form the future active participles. What is the future active participle of amo, amare, amawi, amatum? Answer, amatum, minus um, plus urus a um, yields amaturus a um. And how do we translate amaturus a um? Going to love. Your turn. What is the future active participle of widia, widere, widi, wisum? Take wisum, subtract um, add urus a um. What did you get? Wisurus a um. Excellent. How do we translate wisurus a um? Going to see. Let's pick up the pace. Please form going to place from pono ponera posui positum. Positurus a um. Okay, going to take, for capio capra capi captum, capturus a um, and going to feel for sentio sentire sensi sensum, sensurus a um. All participles, except the present active participle, are first and second declension and decline, like the word for big, magnus, magna, magnum. Present active participles, however, belong to the third declension. All three genders share ns in the nominative singular. All three have ntis in the genitive singular. And if you recall the rules for third declension adjectives, you should be able to take it from here. Let's practice. Let's begin with a loving soldier, so we can compare and contrast third declension noun endings with third declension adjective endings. And so we, we, and so we begin with the nominative, loving soldier, miles amans. The genitive of soldier is militis. What is the stem? We remove the is and voila, milit. What is the stem of amans? What? You'd like to double-check that genitive? Okay, amantis. Can you tell me the stem now? Right, amant, A-M-A-N-T. Let's take it from the top. I'll supply the English. Please try the Latin. Nominative, the loving soldier verbs, miles amans. Genitive of the loving soldier, militis amantis. Dative to or for the loving soldier? Militi amanti. Accusative, verb the loving soldier? Militem amantem. 
by, with, or from the ablative singular loving soldier? Milite, aman, ti. Third declension adjectives use a long I in the ablative singular as opposed to the E of the nouns. Please repeat after me. Milite, amanti. Let's try the plural. The loving soldiers, nominative. Milites amantes. Of the genitive loving soldiers. Militum amantium. Yes, another I this time before the genitive plural of the adjective ending um. Please repeat the genitive. Militum amantium. And two or four, the dative loving soldiers. Militibus amantibus. Verb, the accusative loving soldiers. Milites amantes. And by, with, or from the ablative loving soldiers. Militibus amantibus. The feminine form of the present active participle of the present active participle declines just like the masculine. So no need to repeat ourselves. And you'll get more practice in the guidebook exercises. But let's review the neuter. Our endings for the neuter declension adjectives are, and please repeat after me, blank is e blank e, and in the plural, ia eum ibus ia ibus. Let's decline venenum interficiens, which means the killing poison. Interficio, interficera, interfeci, interfectum, third io verb, that means to kill. So we take the first principal part, interficio, remove the O, keep the I, add ENS, hence, interficiens, killing. Can you tell me what the genitive is? Interficientis. And the stem? Interficient. Okay. Venenum veneni, poison, is second declension neuter. I'll supply the English. Please try the Latin. Nominative? Venenum interficiens. Of the killing poison? Veneni interficientis. Two or four the killing poison? Veneno interficienti. Accusative? Venenum interficiens. Neuters repeat their nominatives in the accusative. By, with, or from the killing poison? Veneno interficienti. Nominative plural. The killing poisons. Venena interficientia. Of the killing poisons. Venenorum interficientium. Two or four the killing poisons. Venenis interficientibus. Accusative plural. Venena interficientia. And finally, by, with, or from the killing poisons. Venenis interficientibus. We may now bask briefly in the glow of our deeds. We've learned how to form and decline participles. Enough self-congratulation. Time for a pop quiz. In the following sentence, 
Molinarios will slip in a participle in English. All these participles should be rendered using an equivalent form of our fourth conjugation verb, sentio sentire sensi sensum. Your task, O participatores, is to supply that participial form during the pause provided. Molinarius will then supply the correct form so that you may check your work. About to feel your pain, Molinarius deployed a future active participle. Think urus, ah, um. Answer? Censurus. Nominative masculine because it modifies Molinarius, the subject. I want those things, the ones necessary to be felt. Hint, you need endos um. Answer? Sentienda. Future passive participle, neuter plural accusative. Having been perceived by the surveillance camera, Amanda panicked. Hint, fourth principal part. Sensa. Perfect passive participle, feminine nominative, singular. Feeling the power of the divine Julius, the soldiers begged for battle. Hint, ENS. Answer, sentientes. Present active participle, nominative plural. That was a tough one. After the next lesson, which rounds out infinitives, we'll take some time again with some longer excerpts from authentic Latin prose. But in the meantime, let's look at a common use of the participle in Latin. First, let's translate a couple of phrases. Please repeat. Caesar milites ducit. Translation. Caesar leads the soldiers. Please repeat. Romani caesarem amant. Translation, the Romans love Caesar. We could combine these clauses with the relative pronoun quiquiquod. Please repeat, Romani caesarem, qui milites ducit, amant. Can you translate? The Romans love Caesar, who leads the soldiers. But I could, in Latin, also use a present active participle in place of the subordinate clause. Please repeat. The Romani caesarem milites ducentem amant. Whom do the nominative Romans love? Accusative Caesar, caesarem. But what adjective modifies caesarem? The present active participle, ducentem, which means leading. What about milites? What case are they in? Accusative. Why? Are they the object of the verb amant? No? No. The Romans don't love the soldiers. They love Caesar. So why are the milites in the accusative? They are the, they are the objects of the participle, ducentem. Let's try translating word for word. The Romans, Romani, love, amant, Caesar leading soldiers, caesarem milites ducentem. The Romans love Caesar leading the soldiers. Or in English, the Romans love Caesar who is leading the soldiers. That sounds better. 
This is an important lesson. Latin frequently uses participles where we, in English, would prefer a subordinate clause. Latin can use a participle as the equivalent of a subordinate clause because inflection leaves no doubt as to how the words relate to each other. English provides far fewer clues. We need to put participles next to the words they modify. Latin is freer. It gets better. Latin can use participles in the ablative to create what is called an absolute construction. Some call it the infamous ablative absolute. The ablative absolute is, however, very common, so let me take you through some simple transformations. The following sentence means, The enemy killed the soldier. Hostis militem interfecit. If I take interficio and form a perfect passive participle, I can describe the soldier as a miles interfectus, a killed soldier. I could then put this phrase into the ablative to provide some background to another thought. Milita interfecto, Caesar bellum gerit. Can you translate Caesar bellum gerit? Caesar wages war. Yes, Caesar bellum gerit. So how do we fit milite interfecto into the sentence? Milite interfecto, Caesar bellum gerit. The two words, milite interfecto, are both in the ablative, and interfecto modifies milite. But neither one of them is connected syntactically to the rest of the sentence. A phrase that is not connected by some syntactic thread to the rest of the sentence is said to be absolute. The term derives from the Latin verb absolvo, to set free. The ablative absolute is set free from the rest of the sentence. So what does it mean? Milite interfecto, caesar bellum gerit. Literally, with the soldier having been killed, comma, Caesar wages war. But this literal translation is not good English. The ablative absolute provides background. It provides the context for the battle. One might better translate, because the soldier was killed, Caesar wages war. Again, we see how a participle can become the equivalent of a whole clause in English. We may conclude with a bit of Latin from the Great Seal of the United States of America. If you examine the back of a dollar bill, you will find a pyramid, and above it a floating eyeball, and two phrases in Latin. Novus ordo seclorum, a new order of the ages. A novus ordo is a new order, and seclorum is a genitive plural, meaning of the ages. So a new political system in the great cycle of history. The other phrase, anuit coeptis, is more complex. Anuo anuere anui. This verb means to nod in approval, anuo. So literally, he, she, or it, my guess is that we're talking about that floating eyeball, which represents divine providence or good fortune, is in the present nodding, or if you prefer as I do the present perfect tense, it has nodded its approval. 
but on what? Anuit is a verb that takes an object in the dative case. Koiptis is a past participle in the dative plural. If I tell you that the basic meaning of the verb is begin, can you translate the perfect passive participle koiptus a um? Answer, having, having, having been begun. And please remember that we have talked about the substantive use of adjectives. Adjectives can stand for an implied noun. In other words, please supply the word things as a way to indicate that the adjective begin is being used as a substantive. So we translate the things having been begun. Anuit quaiptis thus means literally, and you now have the Latin to appreciate this fully, it has nodded its approval upon the things having been begun. Two words in Latin have become eleven in English, and the phrase probably still remains obscure. What did we begin? A republic, a novus ordo seclorum. And what approved this new state of affairs? That big eyeball, fortune, divine providence. So good fortune has approved what we have begun. Koiptis is best understood as the equivalent of what we in English would render with a subordinate clause. But please, don't call Latin clumsy or inelegant. Latin can express in just two words what takes English many words to say. Latin is succinct, and that makes it beautiful. Anuit quaeptis. I know that fortune has nodded its approval on what you have begun as well. Anuit quaeptis. Et nunc linguae latinae amatores potestis omnes exire, ut linguam latinam discatis. Gratias vobis ago, et donec nos iterum viderimus, curate ut valiatis.